Ladies and gentlemen, we are here at the Prince Podcast. Well, we got a special one for you today. Joining us live, I believe, from the ATL, it's Mr. Brown Marks. Or how are you? Hey, I'm doing good. How is everybody doing today? We're doing pleasure being here. All right, man. We blessed. We excited to talk with you uh, and have you on the show. Uh, so first thing I got to ask you is say as a big fan uh, of the the current uh, Revolution tour, having had a chance to see it myself, uh, blew me away, and I was also like blown away like you really i stepped up as like the front man like i was like 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 wow brown marcus that's the dude <laughs> he's doing it like how, how did that feel for you man being up front um you know i i never wanted to be a front guy um, um even when i was on motown i i signed in the got in i started with motown as a, as a writer producer of an in-house thing and uh, it was a pretty big deal and, and they really pushed me towards you know being a uh, solo artist it's not that wasn't my original intent so um i've always been pushed in that direction just never wanted to go there so with the revolution after the show in, at first avenue the very first time we uh, got together with andre simone and Dez wasn't the first time, but after that show for the tribute, um, I realized then that there was a huge void, um, you know, that needed to be filled. And so everybody, you know, Maserati was all out in the audience. They're like, man, you got to step up. You got to step up. And I thought about it and thought about it. And so that, that's where that came from. Okay, man. Finally you... stepped up to the plate. Yeah. Yeah, you killed it, man. I was like, <laughs> you know, it's it's weird because of course we, you know, Prince not there, and I'm like, how is it going to be? But you know, I'm not trying to gas mm-hmm. you up, but you really like, I could see you really had that. You just had it down, man. I was just really, and you had control oh. of the crowd, you know, the call and response. Was really good. Yeah. Hey, yeah, you know, it, it's really interesting because, um, you know, me and Stokely, you know, we talk all the time. And I told him, I said, uh, you know, I learned so much from Prince. Like, you know, a lot of people don't realize how much I learned from that guy. Yeah. And um, I mean, it, who I am today is because of him. Um, you know, my my openness when it comes to writing, um, the way I don't try to be like other people when I write music. Mm-hmm. I try to step outside the box and be very different. Um, I'm not governed by certain rules and regulations. Um, that most people find themselves governed by, not intentionally, just the way the the industry kind of just tells you which direction to go. And, and I've never had those problems because, you know, Prince taught me to look the other way. And it just So when it came to, you know, the stage, um, I know how Prince handles the stage I, because me and him would uh, work that out together all the time. And uh, I was that bass player that he could play off of, mm-hmm. you know, with the dancing and everything. I choreographed the group and, um, you know, me and him worked hand in hand on, on how the visual of Prince and the Revolution looked back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So um, when it came to, you know, me uh, stepping up and, and having the feel in these voids, I was talking to Stokely and I said, 
if I didn't have the 15 pound bass guitar on my neck, I could probably even be more effective, you know, with crowd participation. Um, but you know, and then who would play the bass? So, you know, it's kind of a situation where, uh, uh that's why I like Stokely with us. Mm-hmm. I really like Stokely with us because, you know, he gives that whole different energy. When you don't have an instrument, you can bring a whole different energy to the stage. Okay. Uh, just just going back then, a couple of things I, I want to jump in because I, I don't you don't get a chance to really hear you talk about um, your music. And, and I was a, a big fan of your first album. Uh, I always remember that song. Was like, I can't get enough of your love. I mean, you had cuts on that album. Like who? <laughs> How, how did you go from producing? I mean, how you from, you went from bass playing? I know you, you worked with the Maserati, but how was that transition to mm-hmm. being the solo artist and then producing your own album? It was rough. I mean, I have to tell you, man, it's another reason why I give Prince kudos. I mean, because, man, to, to produce your own stuff is rough um, because you, you have to... Um, you have to see yourself from the outside and, and that's a very difficult thing to do when you're in it. Mm-hmm. It's hard to see yourself from a different perspective. And, um, you know, like I said, I didn't want to be a solo artist. So what happened is, um, I kept begging Motown. I said, hey, you know, I had Teddy Riley. There was, uh, Jimmy and Terry there, mm-hmm. you know, there was Ellie uh, and Babyface. I was like, come on, I got plenty of people that I can reach out to to help me. You know, we could have a really hip album. And they just kept insisting that I do it myself. You know, Prince can do it. Well, Prince and Prince mm-hmm. and everything was Prince. And I was like, but I'm not Prince. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was a, it was a serious challenge for me when it came to producing myself. You know, because it was hard for me to find a direction to head in. And again, like I said, I'm not governed by the rules of monkey see, monkey do. I, I kind of create my own thing. I don't care if people don't like it. I, I do what I do. And, um, you know, and if I get a hit, I get one. If I don't, I don't. I'm not governed by money. I, I'm not driven by it. I just do what I do because I love doing it. So that became a, a real challenge for the company who, you know, they got to make money. Right. And where me, I was just like, I didn't care about that. I just wanted to create something different. And coming from Prince with the sexuality thing, I wanted to change my image. And I didn't, I wasn't sure how to do that, but I wanted to clean it up. I didn't want to be mm. a sex symbol. I didn't want to get into the sex and talk about, you know, hitting girls and, you know, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. You know, I, I didn't want to talk about the typical stuff. I wanted to come from a different place. And that was very difficult. How did very you, very difficult. On, on the second album, how did it cycle back to uh, Prince? Because I, I'm assuming, you know, he had a hand in Bang Bang. And even looking at that video, I see oh, the early uh, Morris Hayes in there. Uh, yep. Yeah, how was well, that? Morris was in my band. Oh, okay. You know, a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that Morris was in a band called Fingerprint that I discovered in Tennessee, and I, mm. I brought that band to Minneapolis to produce them. Wow. Okay. So me and Morris, we got history. We go way back. 
because he he met Prince actually through me, and that's wow. how he ended up with Prince. But um, yeah, uh, he was actually in my band at that time period. Okay. But you know how it cycled back to Prince. You know again, you know, uh, and our person from Motown there, that that vision was oh here's our next Prince, and and that's what they were pushing, mm-hmm. and they kept pushing and pushing that and. You know, I wasn't delivering that. So, you know, that second album, they went to Prince and asked him to produce a few a few tracks for me, um, wow. which cost a heck of a lot of money. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I, I basically just got a couple of tracks thrown at me. I mean, it wasn't even, I didn't even like what, what was given to me. Mm. But again, you know, when you start dealing with, labels and A&R people back then you really didn't have a choice you didn't have much of a choice of what you wanted it was going to end up the way they wanted it because they were the ones with the money right wow and, uh, yeah okay. that, that's where I had a lot of battles with being a in the 80s because I just didn't like where it was going um, New Jack Swing was in mm-hmm uh, hip hop was that movement was it was on the rise. I knew where music was going, and I said, if we're going to do anything, let's go that route. Not to be like them, but let's create some stuff that's more in that vein. Let's mm. get me back into that funk. Let me slap the bass. Let me, you know, let me do some cameo type stuff. Maybe mm. you know, if I'm going to do a solo album, let me play the bass. But it just didn't work out that way. And, yeah, so we always got to remember too at that time that Prince influence was real heavy. Obviously, you were in the revolution, so I, I, I assume their mm-hmm. expectation was, oh, "Okay, well, we got, we got our Prince, right? We got." Uh, totally. Yeah. Totally. Well, uh, and the thing too is, um, you know, the influence was heavy, but it was dying out. That that's mm-hmm. when Prince was kind of on that down curve, mm-hmm. you know. Um, he wasn't, wasn't as popular, Purple Rain, uh, Around the World in the Day, you know, Parade Elm, I mean, all that stuff was over. And so now he's trying to redefine himself. So he wasn't on top anymore. That's when Teddy Riley and all him were coming in. Mm-hmm. And it was a whole, di- even Michael Jackson jumped yeah. on that bandwagon yeah. because it was a whole different shift in the way music was being perceived and heard, you know, the way people would, um, what they wanted to feel on a dance floor. So everything started to change. And I saw the change a couple of years before it even happened. And I was telling Motown, I was like, you guys got to understand this is, this is where it's going. We need to be pioneers and not, not stick with this old trend. This was a good, it had a good decade. Had a good run, but that run is over. We need to, you know, create a new pathway here. They wasn't trying to hear that. <laughs> uh, let's go back. I, I'd be remiss, and I know we don't have a lot of time, but we got to go back to some of these touch points uh, of Purple Rain. Um, we've heard a lot of different stories before, but I'm just curious from your perspective. When did it feel like for you? I understand there was a lot of sort of preparation to get to Purple Rain. <laughs> just between 1999 uh-huh. and that point, when did it hit you that, yo, this thing is, you know, it's, it's huge. This is, this is, this is a phenomenon. You know, when did you feel like, whoa, this yeah. thing is bigger than I've anticipated? 
Are you talking about the album or the movie? Uh, well, maybe a combination of all of it. I don't know if it was like when you hit the road, mm-hmm. you saw it, or did you, you feel the impact yeah. of the movie? For me, it was um, the Chinese theater, Chinese man the theater. Premiere. We, okay. Yeah, the premiere. When we, man, when we walked that carpet, I was like, "What?" The, <laughs> you know, I was tripping because, I, I mean, I was like, "Wait a minute!" We went from being rock stars to now we got Hollywood breathing down our necks mm. and um we treated it like royalty you know and i at that point that's when i realized this was bigger than i ever imagined funny thing is prince uh during the editing of the movie he, i think he was skeptical himself mm. but i think he knew the soundtrack i think he knew he understood people's behavior so well that he knew it was going to take off. And, uh, it did. It took off. It it was bigger than any of us anticipated. And we were all kind of like sitting there with our mouths hanging down, like, wow, (laughs) you know, and, uh, you know, and then we hit the tour. It was over. I mean, people went berserk when we went on tour. That's why I was shocked. Prince pulled it off the, you know, the road after just a few months he got bored he was already on uh, under the cherry moon you know he was way past <laughs> he was two albums past purple rain by the time he was mid tour wow he got way in front of himself i think if he would have really milked the purple rain experience i think it would have been phenomenal it would have been even 10 times bigger than what it was mm. Do you remember, in terms of the movie, uh, anything scenes that you filmed that weren't in the movie? <laughs> yeah, everything. <laughs> they cut all my stuff out. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, you, you know, me, me and Prince. I'm, I'm gonna tell you, I love him to death. He was my buddy. Uh, rest in peace. But you know, with any friendship, we we had our ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Okay, me and him fought like cats and dogs, and I'll just be honest with you. Um, one thing I loved about the revolution, we weren't scared to stand up to him. It's like we didn't like something. Mm-hmm. We would tell him. We'd just come right out, man. I, that sucks. You know, man, that's weak. You know, we would come right out and tell him. And I was very vocal. To this day, I'm, I'm a very vocal person still. And um, so me and Prince would bump heads a lot. And um, I, I think that, in a sense, he was threatened by that to a degree because, um, you know, I noticed that near the end of my career with him, you know, it was one of the reasons, one of the many reasons I left and went on my own because it got to a point where I think he realized that um, there was no more teaching me. Now I was finding my own way. Mm. And that I was becoming a little too verbal and um, in expressing, you know, my dislikes and the way certain things were mm-hmm. lining up, you know, even in the movie um, that I noticed uh, that, you know, when, when the parade album was being done, um, did a lot of work. He would yank the bass out of so many of the tracks. And 
I took that as a clue even, you know, I'm like, what's this all about? And I remember he put me behind the piano and then he put Wally Brooks and Jerome Benton in front of me where I normally stand on the stage. So he was totally repositioning me to disappear. You know, I don't think fans realize that, but that's the kind of animosity me and Jim had with each other. And uh, it was almost like he was filtering me out. But then when I told him I'm quitting, then all of a sudden he's like, you know, uh, uh, come back, you know, let's let's do uh, Sign of the Times together. I want you in that band. Chili's going to be on drums. And, mm. and we're going to put Levi on guitar. You know, so he had this whole new thing, this whole new vision. But at that point, you know, I was done. You know, and I said, man, it's, it's like you taught me. So you got blazing trail and says it's time for me to try to find something else to make me happy. I said, because I'm no longer happy doing this, mm. you know, and, 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 you know, this is your thing, Prince. I say, I'm not, you know, no hard feelings. You go, you know, you keep doing what you're doing. You're a genius. Let me find my way. Mm. And he was cool with that. We became friends again, you know, and um, through the years we, we've always talked and, and uh, we always kept that, uh, you know, that positivity going between the two of us. But, mm-hmm. you know, there were a lot of, it was a roller coaster ride. A lot of negative things happened in my relationship with him. A lot of things. If you don't, I don't dwell in the negative, so sure. that's why I don't talk about it. I feel that. You know, I think I think that sometimes we can learn some lessons. You mentioned something interesting in terms of, like, you kind of learned all that you could learn from that. And I think the next step would be that you sort of become your own thing uh you know because he's going to be him obviously and you and you're a man is just as much and you got to do your thing but i I wonder if i can't ask a question if you don't want to talk about it that's fine uh what was it like when you guys working on kiss like to me that that could be a movie unto itself (laughs) like the kiss man (laughs) let let me tell you i gotta set the record straight okay kiss Okay, because I get so sick and tired hearing all the mixed up stories about it. I did not write Kiss. I co-wrote Kiss. Okay, that's setting the record straight. Mm -hmm. I never wrote it. I co-wrote it. Um, When Prince brought Kiss to me, as he would do with a lot of songs, you know, he'd give you this raw track. And like I said, I was very verbal. I was like, that sucks, man. I can't stand that song. And I would just tell him. When he brought me Kiss, it was an acoustic guitar. And he was singing it in in a baritone, you know. Low voice, sound like a country song. There was nothing to it. You don't have to be Show you what is 
drums, no nothing. It was just guitar, voice. Not even in a studio mic. It was almost like it was like on one of those old cassette players where you just hit record and start singing. It was a four bar blues that I found the track dated back to like nineteen thirty eight, late twenties, late thirties. I found the actual um uh song where he took it from. Mm. You know, and I I was like, Man, this is I was like, man, why, why are you going to give me this book? You know, I mean, you know, Maserati's a rock band. What are you going to give this to me for? Hilarious. You know, and he says, you know, they, they need something different. He said, just do your thing to it. And I said, okay, okay, I'll give it a try. I went in the studio. He was working in Studio A. I was in Studio B. At sunset, Lionel Richie was in Studio C. Wow. Really, really interesting story because um, we worked on that song. Maserati, uh, Bruce and Mar, they had a, they, you know, they come from the church, so they got this real gospel type tone to their background, the way they sing. So, you know, I totally rewrote Kiss. I put a beat to it. David Rifkin was our engineer. He had a lot of producer tricks he used to do, and he put that that uh, gated mm-hmm. <clears throat> that gated uh, effect on the guitar. You know, gave you that you know. Next thing you know, Kiss was born, and um, the other problem we had was singing it. You know, I didn't like the way in, in, in the low voice, the way it sounded. It was real plain. But we finished it. Prince came in. He listened to it, and I could see by the look on his face. He never knew that song could become what I, I had brought it to. And he looked at me and said, oh, um, are you guys going to go to dinner? <laughs> And I, I kid you not, I said, I said, yeah, we were actually fixing to go to dinner. We'll probably be back in about three, four hours. Why? What, what do you want to do? He said, let me do some work on it. And um, when you come back, you know, I'll uh, let you hear it. Mm. I said, okay. <laughs> I came back four hours later. He wouldn't let anybody else in the studio. He told me to come in the studio. And he played it. He had his vocals on it. He had all new guitar pieces on it, uh, kept the music and everything the same, took the bass out, and he was singing the entire song in four hours. Wow. The kiss that you hear. And I looked at him and I was like, you did all this in four hours. He, he says, well, it's, it's, this is a song that will be better for, for us. And I was like, us? Who's us? <laughs> you know, <he's> like, <laughs> You know, Prince and the, Prince and the Revolution. You know? oh. I'm like, I'm like, okay. So was, does that mean that you're gonna let me be a co-writer on your album? Mm. He says, yeah. You know, you know, I'll take care of you, Mark. Another one of the battles that he and I had because he never took care of me. I never got a dime from Kiss, mm. and um, you know that was the straw that broke the camel's back um, in our relationship at that time period. We made up since then, but that that's how Kiss came about, and that's where a lot of the drama mm-hmm. uh, settled in with <laughs> me leaving the revolution was behind that. Also, there's a whole Maserati story that caused me to depart as well. You know, That's all in my book. <laughs> oh, is this is this book out, or is it coming out soon, or what is it? I'm not going to release it anytime soon, but oh, okay. uh, it's finished. 
Oh, okay. Just, uh, I don't want to be one of these people that looks like, oh, he's just died. He's trying to capitalize off. And I've never been that way. This book was written 10 years ago. Oh, wow. I just never released it. Mm. Yeah. Just never. But it's it's the full, it's my full story, my entire life story, how I met him. Mm-hmm. How I went from rags to riches to rags, got a Motown, riches. You know, I mean, it was, it's a really interesting story, especially for beginner musicians mm-hmm. to see the struggles and the pathways we paid for these new artists to really get paid, mm-hmm. you know, because we, we didn't have what they have nowadays. You know, everything with us was a learning experience. And so, uh, you know, I, I was listening to the Tia story and I was like, I could relate totally with what the girls are talking about. Um, but what artists don't realize is every penny you spend is going to come back on you. Every penny. And so there's a, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of learning, um, a lot of lessons that were learned. Mm-hmm. And we paved a total way for a lot of the artists you see nowadays making millions because they control their own stuff. Mm. You know? Right. Yeah, I was one of those who helped who got burned so that they could learn. Uh, <laughs> that's my line. Burn so they can learn. <laughs> I that, burn so you can learn. Yeah. That, that's very interesting coming from you because again, from the outside, I, I, one would say you were in the revolution. One of the greatest rock bands, music bands of a generation and one of the biggest artists of the time. So when you say you went from rags to riches to rags, I'm like, whoa. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, well, you know, the, that's a whole nother story sure. within itself. I mean, um, you know, we, we generated hundreds of millions of dollars, but we didn't get paid, mm. you know, revolution, you pay. And, you know that, but that's a whole story within itself. Sure. And I, like I said, I don't dwell on negativity. <laughs> I don't want to go there. But you know, the nature of this business is it's what it is. It's what it is. So you got to learn how to navigate it. Mm-hmm. And for me, my mother was my my greatest, um, you know, teacher, instructor. I mean, because she taught me a valuable lesson in life, and that is, don't measure the man by what's in his wallet, but it's what's in his heart. And I, I became a very, very strong, very happy, well-rounded human being, a man, um, not because of my greed and thirst for money, but just my love for people, art, and what I could give. And that's who I became. That's who I am now. And that's why I'm happy. You know, where so many people are just you know, everything's about what they have. I've never lived that way. I wow. give that to my mother. All right. All right. Um, we have to mention, too, you you have a podcast, the Brown Mark podcast, right? <laughs> I did have a podcast. Uh-oh. I, it, they're, they're too hard. Um, <laughs> it, it was just too hard for me to maintain it because I'm too busy. Mm, and, okay. uh you know, it was a weekly thing, the editing, the storyboards, I mean, just everything that was entailed. It, it, it was just way too much for me at this time period. Now, I might, you know, come back to it in a later, 
later time period when I have more time. But right now I had to let it go because I just, you know, I just couldn't maintain it. I mean, I was, I was just about to have Victor Wooten come on board. Whoa. You know, he was going to okay. uh, do an interview with me. Yeah, I was, I had some good folks lined up, but I just, I couldn't maintain it. Nice. Just too busy. Um, hey, I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I got to yeah. get Mark on his next call. Okay. Hey, Melissa. Mark, we we, we got to have you back, man, for for a longer sit down <laughs> at some point. Hey, hey, no problem. I really appreciate you coming on no the problem. show, man. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. I mean, I got a I got a wealth of wealth of stories. Um, I, I was there from nearly the beginning of the successful point. You know, I started in controversy, and right? So there's 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 a lot that I do know. Um, a lot that I don't tell, mm-hmm. but a lot that I do know, and I can help people get some clarity on, you know. Well, man, let's comes to his life, you know. Let, let, let's connect on that. We 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 can set that up. But I really appreciate your time. I know you got to go. Um, we didn't get to mention your your uh, base in your face T-shirts. I'm gonna make sure we get that uh, uh, coming out. <laughs> yeah. with the proceeds. Now, let me tell you about that. Um, the base in your face t-shirts uh, I'm going to be putting uh, a website up very shortly so you know uh, have everyone check my page periodically okay. my uh, Facebook and my Instagram page to let you know where to go and what I'm trying to do is I'm setting it up to I want uh, proceeds to go to the victims you know of the hurricane tragedies and now this new one in Vegas is just horrible right and um, what I want, I want to sell these T-shirts, and we're going to uh, take the proceeds of that, and we're going to donate that to one of the different causes. I'm I'm talking to a couple people right now to figure out which which charity would be the best, you know, that would help the most people. So, but right. but as soon as I get that together, you know, I I will put that online, hopefully within the next two months, and uh, people will know where they can pre-order. All right, we'll keep our eyes open. Uh, thank you again. Uh, thank you, Melissa, uh, for helping us uh, get this going as well. Uh, we'll talk to you You're soon. You're welcome. All right. Thank you. Thank All you. right. Bye. Y'all take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.